أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كان في يوسف وإخوته آيات للسائلين إذ قالوا ليوسف وأخوه أحب إلى أبينا منا ونحن عصبة إن أبانا لفي ضلال مبين صلح الله العظيم Continuing with the discussion of the incident of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam the dream that he saw and then he related it to his father his father cautioned him that do not mention this dream to anybody do not mention it to your brothers they may start scheming and plotting and planning something against you and this is the job of shaitan inna shaitana lil insani aduwwun mubin shaitan is a clear and open enemy of insan he will keep trying to incite some kind of trouble whisper something or the other in somebody's heart some jealousy some malice all kinds of evil thoughts to try and create problems and create disturbances so this is shaitan's full time job so therefore don't create the situation where somebody gets this opportunity so this is the issue that yaqub alayhi salam cautioned him then further in the next ayat allah taala says wa kadhalika yastabika rabbuka wa yuallimuka min ta'wil al-ahadith that allah taala will in this manner select you for this very great mission to come allah taala will teach you ta'wil al-ahadith some have expressed this to mean the interpretation of dreams and this is where this point comes from that the interpretation of dreams is something which is part of ilm wahabi it comes as a gift from allah taala it is not something that is acquired by study person can study some principles of it study some various details of it but ultimately this is not something that comes via study it is something allah taala blesses a person with this ability to be able to interpret dreams correctly and then is the promise of allah taala granting nubuwwat that is then mentioned thereafter further in the ayah that we just recited allah taala says laqad kana fi yusuf wa ikhwatihi ayatul lisailin that in the incident of yusuf alayhi salam and his brothers there are great signs for those who ask for those who ask one could be that those who were the people who initially asked the question the yahud the jews of madina munawwara had sent some of the people to makkah mukarrama to come and teach the mushrikeen these questions or they themselves came and asked about the incident of yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and the whole idea was to test rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so allah taala is saying that this is not just one story for the sake of entertainment or some historical record but this is an incident filled with lessons they are great signs so one is those specific people but this is not confined to them till qiyamah anybody who looks into the quran sharif with the thirst of learning and especially this particular surah allah taala says is filled with lessons we barely touched on some of those lessons but how many things already came through about what lessons come out of the various ayat of the surah so this is filled with many many lessons among those lessons some of those lessons which we will come across maybe some we might not get the chance to come across 
in terms of where it appears in the ayat. But the primary lesson in all this that <coughs> Yusuf والسلام, if we look at in particular his situation Allah Ta'ala took him from the depth of the well. He was thrown into the depths of this well by his brothers. And where did Allah Ta'ala finally seat him? That he became in charge of the treasuries of Egypt. On the throne of Egypt we can call it. So from the bottom of the well to this height, this is not a small distance. If you call it distance, it's not a small distance. It's not a distance that can be travelled in days or weeks or months or years. There's a distance of more than a lifetime. But when Allah Ta'ala wills, Allah Ta'ala will make it happen in a very short time too. But what brought this traversing of this distance from the depth of a well, where all the means of destruction were now complete? And it turned out accordingly that he was then taken out and sold as a slave, etc. So everything was almost like a done thing in terms of his destruction. Allah Ta'ala took him onto the top of everything in terms of even the worldly position. And apart from that, obviously the real thing and the greatest thing was Allah Ta'ala then blessed him with nubuwat. But what is the bottom line to all this that comes right at the end of the surah? And that if the entire summary of surah Yusuf if a person has to be asked to give the summary in one line, in one ayat of this whole surah, then the one ayat of this whole surah, which gives the summary, the summary in the sense that the lesson and what is to take deep down in the heart, where towards the end of the surah, Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And Yusuf والسلام, was now United with his whole family, his parents are there, his brothers are all in front of him. And this issue comes up. and Or rather this was just before that, when the brothers are all now in front of him. And they realize that this is Yusuf Ali Salam. And they are amazed, astounded. Is this the same brother we threw in the depths of the well? And this is Yusuf Ali Salam's response. That, إِنَّهُ مَيَّتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ The one who adopts taqwa, and he has sabr. At every step of life, this will be required. We discussed sabr in detail, one of the nights. And this was the main point in the whole thing. That there is no step in life where a person will not require this quality of sabr. Just that our understanding of sabr is very, very confined. But the sabr that Deen has taught which is a very, very comprehensive quality, this is something a person will require at every step. But one is just sabr for the sake of dunya, sabr because a person is just desperate or he has no choices. No, not that sabr. The sabr that is accompanied with taqwa. إِنَّهُ The sabr which is being made, not because a person has no choices. Despite choices, he is making the sabr for Allah Ta'ala. He has choices, he can do many things. But he is choosing not to do things that will not earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. He is making a conscious choice to do that which will earn Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. So he is, for example, restraining his anger, not because he has no other option. Or because if he vents it here, then it might just create a lot of trouble for him. 
So rather stay out of the trouble. No, he is restraining his anger because this is the thing that will take him closer to Allah Ta'ala. And this will be giving him the high stages in Akhirat. This will bring him that aman and iman in his heart from the side of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the aspect of sabr. And this is what Yusuf Salam in his life we find this particular lesson. And Allah Ta'ala says that there are many, many signs. Ayatul lisailin. Those who tried to harm others, what became their end result? They finally came in a desperate situation to the very person they were out to destroy. And now they came as beggars to ask for his help without even realizing who they were asking. Who turned the tables? Allah Ta'ala turned the tables. But did it happen at the press of a button? No. There was taqwa required. There was sabr required. When this took place, Allah Ta'ala turned the tables. It happened, but dunya, everything won't happen at the press of a button. We are living in a microwave age, and we want everything to happen like the microwave. person puts something inside, one minute later he wants to see it boiling. So now it happens in the microwave, but life hasn't, life is no more microwave. It has never been. Life still works on the same principles. Things won't happen at the press of a button. The system Allah Ta'ala has placed, إِنَّهُ مَيَّتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُضِعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Then Allah Ta'ala does not allow the reward of those who do good to go in vain. They'll get their reward, full reward. They'll come in dunya also in a various ways, in the barakat and blessings, the peace of mind, the contentment of heart, and in the various other ways also Allah Ta'ala will open out in dunya. And the real place is akhirat. Dunya is a very, very small place. It cannot contain the rewards that are meant to be given to a person for his good deeds. The real place for that is Akhirat. So besides these, there are many, many lessons in this, inshallah, we will touch on some of them as we go along. Then commences the actual incident of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah Ta'ala says, إِذْ قَالُوا لَيُوسُفُ وَأَخُوهُ أَحَبُّ إِلَىٰ أَبِيْنَا مِنَّا وَنَحْنُ عُسْبَةً إِنَّ أَبَانَا لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ these brothers, Yaqub he was first married to well, his first wife from whom he had ten sons. Then that first wife passed away. Then he remarried. He married the sister of his deceased wife. And from that sister who he married as his second wife now, the two sons who were born were Yusuf and his younger brother Binyamin. These were the two sons that were born from the second wife. So the first, the ten brothers were the half-brothers of Yusuf In any case, Yusuf was to grow up to become the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala had already, every Nabi from childhood is blessed with those beautiful qualities. Obviously, he is to grow up to become a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. So that would already be shining through him. The ability that Allah Ta'ala would give him, the great qualities Allah Ta'ala will bless him with, all this will already be shining through in his childhood. And then finally will come the mantle of Nubuwat when Allah Ta'ala blesses it. So obviously this was all ready in him, the goodness was already in him. So as a result he was very very beloved to Yaqub In this matter of the love that one may have in his heart, this is something not in his control. 
he may have more affection, more love for one compared to the other. This is something not in a person's own control. But in terms of treatment, their person is responsible to be just to everyone. A person has several children. It may happen that there is more affection for one compared to the other. It could happen that he loves all his children, but there is this natural affection more for one. That's not in his control. One child might be possessing better character, he might be more obedient, he might be of greater help. So now that becomes a means of that affection growing more. That's not in his control. But in terms of the treatment, that cannot be in a way that there's any injustice. A person has more than one wife, he might be more having greater affection for one compared to the other. But if he is not treating both with justice, that is a very serious thing. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says that a person who had been in such a situation that he had been married to more than one wife, but he was unjust, he will come on the day of Qiyamah with half his body paralyzed. Meaning he will be in great difficulty on that day. So, this is something which is not in his control in terms of the feelings of his heart. Rasulullah had several wives and he would express it, Ya Allah, I have done what is in my control. What, is in, what you have given in my control in terms of the justice and treatment that I have done. So don't take me to task for what is not in my control but it is in your control. Meaning the feeling of the heart, the affection of the heart, that is not my control, that is in your control. So don't take me to task for that which is not in my control, but I have been just to all. This justice is what Islam has taught. One is in terms of the treatment in the matter of, for example, how a person, on the, in terms of treatment, how he treats everybody, he has to be very just in that, equal in that as well. One Sahabi had been sitting in the company of Rasulullah and his little son came along running, small child, so he took the child, kissed him and put him in his lap. Short while later, his little daughter came running as well. So he picked her up and put her in his lap as well. Nabi Islam said to him that you haven't treated them equally. Both are children, both are small. You treated your son in one way, you picked him up, you kissed him and put him in your lap. You didn't give the same treatment to your daughter. This was a lesson of treating everybody in an equal manner. That is his duty in gifts above what is on an extra note. So now a person is giving some gifts to his children, he should be equal. But in principle, what has been taught is justice. Equality everywhere doesn't apply. Now for example, a person now is responsible to feed his children. So now one child, mashallah, has quite an appetite. And the other one, he's got half the appetite. So because the other one eats only so much, so he restricts the other child. Sorry, you can't eat more than this because your brother only eats so much. So now that fellow will perish because he needs to eat the double. That's his appetite. And he says, no, you've got to be equal. Equality is necessary. So that equality, that is not in that literal sense. Now, 
One person ate so much, so the other person will only eat so much. So it's obvious, according to the need, that, that is what will be taken care of. One child has some extra needs. The child might not be very well, for example. So now he has extra needs. There will be more expenses perhaps for that child. And that's fulfilling the need of that child. That's not something that goes against the grain of justice. Because justice requires what is the need, fulfill the need. So this child's need you fulfilled and that child's need you fulfilled. Though in the quantity, the quantity was different. But yes, beyond the needs, there should be equality. So this is something to always bear in mind. So Yaqub was obviously a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. There was no minute possibility that he was unjust to any of his children. But this natural affection, this too becomes known. It's something that becomes visible. To some extent, somewhere, the face of a person is a very big giveaway. Sometimes, a person is in grief. So the grief is where? The grief is in his heart. The heart gets grieved. But one look at his face will tell you that something is a problem. The person is brimming with joy. Where is the joy? The happiness is in the heart. The heart is the seat of happiness. But one look at his face and you don't know what happened. What's something really special has taken place. Why are you so happy? So that happiness is brimming out of his face, but it's in the heart. So, outward signs make it obvious, okay, there's something special here. So perhaps this is what the brothers had noticed in some way or the other. So as a result now, they are discussing, these ten brothers are discussing among themselves. That Yusuf and his brother, meaning the full brother of Yusuf, Binyamin, they are more beloved to our father than ourselves, whereas we are the strong group. They are young children, they can't even do anything as such, they cannot be of any physical assistance, and we are the ones who are grown up, we can do a lot. So, therefore, this special affection should be directed to us. And Now, why is this directed in the other direction? So, this is something that's wrong. Our father has fallen into some clear injustice here. This is what the reference of dalal here refers to, the injustice. What is their concept, what they are thinking, it to be injustice. Now, this is where this seed came in their hearts due to their wrong thinking. The seed got planted, the seed of jealousy. Where the seed of jealousy came from? The seed of jealousy germinated out of this badgumani, this ill thought. They saw something, they jumped to their own conclusion. They saw this affection perhaps being shown somewhat more to Yusuf and his brother, which was something that was not in any way infringing on anybody's rights. They jumped to the wrong conclusion that this is wrong. They jumped to the wrong conclusion that this is something that should be directed to us, whereas the treatment was completely in the line of justice. And what is not in a person's control, how is it not directed to you? Now they jumped to these wrong conclusions. So this was their wrong thought that there is injustice here. This is the badgumani. This is the ill thought. This is the suspicion. And this is the seed shaitan keeps planting in a person's heart to 
open the floodgates of fasad. To open the floodgates of fitna. This is badgumani. Just drop in that one thought, one ill thought, and then shaitan doesn't have to do much more. Shaitan doesn't do much more. Shaitan doesn't do many things. One person met shaitan in whichever form, and he started reprimanding him that you have created so much of mischief and so much of trouble and so much of problems and aren't you ashamed of yourself? How much of mischief you have created? How much of trouble? How much of fights? How much of uh, dissension? Broke up families? What not you have done? He said, look, I did nothing. He said, what do you mean you did nothing? All this drama, you created all these problems. And you're saying you did nothing. He said, look, I did nothing. Come, I'll show you what I did. I only do one small, but everything else, others do. He said, what do you mean? He said, come, I will show you. So, Shaitan took him to one place. There was a, one person was busy in his shop. So, he had one uh, cat also there in the shop. So, Shaitan went and he took something, some sweet, whatever. It was probably a mitai shop, a sweet meat shop. So, he took something and went and put it on the wall. So now there's something sweet on the wall. After a while one fly came. That fly came onto the wall. So when that fly came on the wall, next thing out of somewhere one lizard came out. So the lizard went to grab the fly. So now that cat was sitting there. The cat saw the lizard. Now it was sitting quietly behind one counter. It saw the lizard. Now that's its food. The cat came running out and dived on that lizard. Now it came right out in the open, dived with that lizard. Just at that time, one customer walked in, he had his dog along. So now as this cat dived for the lizard, the dog saw this cat diving. So that dog thought, that this is my chance also. So the next thing that dog dived on this cat and in one dive it just chomped on his neck and killed it. Now when this dog killed that cat, so now the dog fight started between the owners. So the owner of the cat, he first now, he took out something and he hit it on the dog's head. Next thing the dog died. When the dog died, the owner of the dog now attacked the owner of the cat. So he killed that fellow. When he killed him, the next thing the police were called, this person was arrested, and eventually he was executed. Shaitan says, what I did? I only put something on the wall. I didn't do anything else. But what he put on the wall, he had an agenda behind it. It wasn't just by chance he put something on the wall and went away. He had this whole agenda, this whole plan. This is what I'll do and this is where it will lead to. So that same thing that Shaitan just put one, some small little bit on the wall, in the heart Shaitan just drops that one badgumani, one ill thought, one negative conclusion, one suspicion. But that's all. Shaitan doesn't need to do anything further. Now this person's mind starts running with that suspicion. His mind starts running with that ill thought. And then he starts, like people build castles in the air, they're dreaming and live in the dream world. person builds big, big castles in the air. Then he realizes he's still walking in the ground. So sometimes, Shaitan makes people start building dungeons in the air. There's no reality, but the person starts thinking the most horrifying thoughts. That I'm sure this is what's going to be the outcome of this, and this is going to be the outcome of that. Now he's building this whole huge dungeon in the air, 
the most uh, negative conclusions he's driving out of things, out of what? Out of nothing. It's his own mind conjuring up all this. There's no reality to any of it. At the end of the day, sometimes it just transpires, but where the seed was of all this? And nothing, there's nothing in it at all. So this is that badgumani. Now the same thing is what happened here. Shaitan just planted this one ill thought. That look, this is injustice here. You should be the recipient of this affection. Where is gone in that direction? Now, how to remedy this? Now the remedy, so what's the remedy? So now one thing led to the other. So the remedy came that Uqtulu Yusuf, kill him then. If he's out of the picture, so now there's no more Yusuf in the picture, so then there won't be any more that affection in that direction, you'll get it. But now what a silly and foolish conclusion that is, that does it mean that if you have taken him out of the equation, you're going to get the, that affection? It might just become very clear that who is responsible and you would become even more distanced. But shaitan blocks the mind. When a person starts thinking negatively, shaitan blocks his mind from thinking correctly. When a person gets caught up in that badgumani, in that uh, suspicion, in that ill thought, and now he starts plotting sin. Now, as they started plotting sin, Uktulu Yusuf, Throw him away somewhere far. So that now he's out of the scene. When he's out of the scene, salihin. So then you will get this affection. And well, you have created, you have committed a serious crime. You've killed your brother. You've uh, done this very, very major sin. So yes, that is a serious thing. But don't worry about that. Make toba afterwards. How shaitan runs a person from one thing to another and makes him plan the worst thing but provides a kind of, uh, some way to pacify him also that despite this being a very serious thing, don't worry, you'll still come out fine. Because the door of Toba is open after all. The door of Toba is open, do the crime now. Later on make Toba, everything will be fine, don't worry. So shaitan, this is how he takes a person into deeper and deeper things and on the note that well later we'll sort it out, later everything will come right. But when a person goes into wrongs, into sins, into evils in this manner, that well later we'll sort it out, Allah forbid that later never comes. Illa mashallah, when a person keeps going headlong into this, that later becomes too late. Because a person now keeps procrastinating. And in the meantime, death has come. So, this is shaitan's very, very effective tool. This is one of his main weapons in his arsenal of weapons. Is this badgumani? Is this ill thought? This suspicion? Therefore, we have to keep training ourselves to stay far away from this ill thoughts. If something there are hundred possibilities in that issue, 99 of them are all negative possibilities. And there's one possibility which is positive. It is our duty to start taking that positive possibility that this is what probably the issue was. And not the other 99. And when a person will keep doing this, force himself to do it, then he will learn to keep his heart. His heart will start taking on to that and be positive. And in the process he will get saved from many, many serious sins. This seems to be that one sin... But this is what opens the floodgates of so many things. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq.
to take these lessons to heart. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil